Hey y'all, Emily here. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Oh, holds for laughter. Thank you. I just wanted to pop in and say um, that Chelsea and I are so excited to be hosting our special Halloween happy hour this Saturday on Halloween at 1 p.m. Central Time for all patron members on Zoom. So we usually host this happy hour once a month for our private box tier, but this month we are opening it up to all patrons starting at the $2 level. So you can join us if you join Patreon at www.patreon.com slash dolls. Tier starting just at $2. And we would like to thank our patrons, Sydney, Allison, Noah, Brandon, Victoria, Mama Lang, Mama Hardy, Mama Keen, and Andy. Thank you so much for your support and please you can come join them. You can come meet them. It'll be so much fun on Zoom on Saturday. So join us here starting at $2 again at www.patreon.com slash wines and dolls. We look forward to our costume contest and having some special swag. So join us for cheers and booze. We can't wait to see you. So let's just get started. Sure. Let's do this. I'd like to propose a toast. Welcome to Wines and Dolls. A podcast where Chelsea and Emily whine and talk about musicals. Welcome. Wine is a devil on time drop. Yay! Welcome to Wines and Dolls. Our theme of the week is drunk Beetlejuice with our clink squad, Graham and Zach. Why do we sound so industrial? Woo! Say hi, Graham. Hello. And say hi, Zach. Hi. Zachary. Zachary. Zachary, thanks. Not Zachary Banks, Zachary Houseman. We have Zach coming from New York, right? That was a yeah, terrible I'm, New York accent. I'm coming from New York, New York City. I, I'm here in in uh, in the lower half of Manhattan. I'm in I'm in Fidei, and yeah, that's really where Fidei. I'm at. Fidei. Nice. Say New York in your most stereotypical New York accent. New York. I don't know. That was you are. beautiful. <laughs> give, give him a roll. Give him a Tony. Mm. And Graham is coming to us live from Galveston, Texas. Yeah, well, right. Galveston-ish. No, yeah. no, Graham on the island. So Galveston, in the city. on the island. Yeah. Galveston, Texas. He's in Galveston. You got to see the pirate flag behind him. That's true. Hey, Graham, give, uh, tell us, or say Galveston in your most stereotypical New York accent. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> oh. Uh, Galveston? I have no, I have no freaking idea. <laughs> or your best Moira, your best Moira Rose accent, also known as Catherine O'Hare. Oh, Catherine. Galveston. <laughs> Afraid I don't know we'll that one. <laughs> we'll Close be talking about it. Yeah. Oh, you don't watch Shit's Creek? No, I haven't watched that yet. Oh, my mom. You're going to love my it. My mom, who just binged through all of it and is trying to get me to start it, so I should. Oh, you should. Especially, I cried my face off. Season six, the the closing oh, season. Oh, especially I haven't watched it. Especially now. since we're talking about Beetlejuice what? today, so Catherine O'Hara is gonna come mm-hmm. up. Miss Moira Rose herself. Moira. Zachary, you've uh, seen it, right? Of course, I've seen it. I've watched all six seasons. Oh. Zach is the you. only one who's not living under a rock. He's Honestly. literally in the middle of a big apple. I'm living Honestly. on an the island. The yeah. apple. So. <laughs> Live well, so is he. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am Y'all are both on islands. Just, We're the only one not on an island. Grams is like submerged uh, right now. Yes, <laughs> Grams is slightly submerged island. Yeah. Which brings us to. 
Hey, Chelsea. Hey, Emily. What are you drinking? I'm drinking what you're drinking. I'm drinking turbulent, some sort of wine you poured for me. So it is turbulent, which is a nice little rosé from somewhere. Um, Rigel told me where once, but I forgot. Vigneron. I think it's Spanish. Anyways, I got it at Savoir for 40% off because they were doing a special. Yeah. Um, it was recommended by my good friend, Emily, who is the psalm there. So if you want some, I'm going to go ahead and say it, plug it, Savoir in Houston. It's great. You um, should totally it is, sponsor us, Savoir. It is this, like, it has, like, pink lemonade undertones, but it isn't super sweet. Uh, it's bubbly rosé, and I love it. See, look how pretty and pink it is. And it looks purple in these glasses. It's blue. It's very glasses. on point. Yes. It's very on brand. Hey. It's on, it's on Graham. Hey, on Graham. I said on brand. I know, but then I was going to segue hey. it into, hey, Graham. Oh. I didn't ask you what you were drinking. I'm drinking the same thing. We already said that. Oh, we didn't do the thing. Hey, Graham. <laughs> Hi, guys. What are you drinking? I am <laughs> drinking some of Best Maid's Sour Pickle Beer uh, <gasps> that I picked up a couple months back, and it's just been sitting in my fridge. And good news, it still tastes pretty uh, ranch. Terrible? Yeah. Uh, I don't think terrible, but definitely strange and very strong. But I'm like, tell I me heard, more. I tell heard me ranch, more. and I was like, dude, what's the dill? Oh, seems like he might have been in a little bit of a pickle. Get there out! You go. Thank you. Um, I know okay. we're in your apartment, but get out! I always I think of it. Mom, stop calling me. Oh, I your always phone's think not of on it, Do Not Disturb. It is on Do Not Disturb. She's the only one who can make it through oh. my Do Not Disturb. Um, I always think of Rick and Morty whenever I hear people are drinking the sour pickle. Oh yeah, pickle Rick. Exactly. Hey Zach. Hey. What you drinking? Well, of course, I'm having a beautiful glass of La Chateau Diana. The 7-Eleven wine, of course, because I am such a college student. I uh, is Pinot Grigio, of course. It was $3.49 for the entire bottle because I have a 7-Eleven coupon. But I, oh, my. I'm peaking right now with my Chateau Diane. You, sir. Uh, is it in that Dunkin' sure. Donuts cup that's, like, next to you? What oh, my God. What cup is that with the straw? Actual Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I have I have coffee and wine because <laughs> I am such a college student, literally. Look at you! Uh, I was fully expecting so that to be where the wine where the wine was. was. <laughs> yeah, it should. No, I, I should put it there, but I, I should. It's a big. It probably holds the whole bottle. It could hold the entire bottle for sure. I should mix. So proud. And then it's just one glass. So proud of you. So proud of both okay. of you. Hey, Charles. Hey, Emily. What are you whining about? I hope I don't steal anybody's wine, but I'm gonna whine. That Broadway is shut down even longer. Yeah, we just found that what out. What the flippity We're fuck? I found out this earlier this weekend. Well, we found out like recently. Oh, it was like it was oh, more recent than when this episode out. comes out. Yeah, it is Indigenous Peoples Day, and we just oh, we found out this weekend, this past weekend, that Broadway will be shut down until June. Yeah, through May twenty twenty one. I think it was May. I'm gonna. So I saw I saw June and I'm like it's like it shut fuck. down through May so it'll okay. open in June. Well, we yeah. hope we hope and even like like everybody's getting a re- like real desperate vibes here, real sad, real desperate vibes. I know I am. It's not good. It's not good. Not not good at all. It's not good. It's not good. Hey Emily. Hey Chelsea. <laughs> what are you whining about? The fact that I just used the word schnot, schnot. Um, when I was trying to say the word not. You should totally not schnot. I feel like riffraff. You schnot word. 
<laughs> oh yeah, we just recorded we Rocky just Horror. Rocky Horror. Horror. I know we've been recording some of our episodes like backwards. <laughs> There's a lot going on. There's too much. Hey Graham. Hey Chelsea and Emily. <laughs> what are you whining about? Uh, I am currently whining because I am being invaded by fire ants and I'm having to deal with that. feels like every few days I'm having to find oh. out where they're it. So my house is like raised. It's on a raised foundation, which is where they like to sort of colonize. And then that causes them to be able to appear anywhere else in the house. So I just have a lot of poison out everywhere. I've had an exterminator come out and they, they still, they still pop up every now and then. So I was going to say like Graham's house is lit with the fire. Ah. Uh, He's got that poison. (laughs) How Halloween of you. Zach's like, I will never be moving to Texas. I I want to be submerged in that island. Mm. (laughs) It's like with with all the hurricanes that we get down here, I keep thinking, well, now I don't have to deal with the fire ants anymore, but then they just survive. They're taking shelter in exactly. your house. Exactly. Hey, 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 Zach. Hey, Chow. What you, what you whining about? I guess I'm whining about, uh, right now about my professor that nonstop emails me. Um, basically, we we had this assignment that was due on Sunday that I submitted, but my name wasn't on the assignment, so. He, <gasps> threatened to give me a zero because my name wasn't on it. So that's really what I'm whining about today. Rude. I mean, very rude. shame on you for not putting your name on your assignment, but also it's submitted virtually. So I'm like, but your email has your name. It was submitted through my account. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like why it wasn't like I like wrote a letter without my name on it. That's so strange. I heard a a lot of stuff like that's happening um, through the third party submitters for high school, middle school kind of stuff and college, I guess, um, that just assignments go missing that you already submit. Well, now your professor's going to hear this and this (laughs) is going (laughs) to. Does your professor listen to our podcast? I expect this to be part of their lecture. I tell my professor all about this. Okay, so we're getting into the nitty-gritty. We're going about to ask you the hardest questions you'll ever hear in your entire Ooh. life. Much harder than the interview. Much harder than, well, the interview. So our first question, we will ask, hmm, who do we like more? Oh, that's a Sophie's choice. <laughs> I know. I'm like, now I don't know who to ask because I said it. Do you understand that reference? No. So I'm going to ask a question. Whoever starts <laughs> talking first. <laughs> Sophie's choice is a movie. I okay. still haven't oh seen it. <laughs> Ah, oh, Zach, you've seen it, right? I have not. Ah, no. oh, all you babies! It's because it's because we're youthful. Chelsea. It is all, all I know is, is that it's a bad. It's she has to make a bad choice. It's a very. It's a great movie. It's Meryl Streep classic. You have to watch both of you. All three of you have to watch it because you're going to be in tears when you see what the choice is oh. that she has to make. We'll, okay. we'll make we'll make a movie night of it. So hey, so whoever. Answers first. What are your hyphenates? Your elevator pitch. Uh, I guess my elevator pitch is, hi, I'm Zachary Hausman. I'm your Brazilian, compassionate, redheaded creative with spunk and flair from New York. I'm a college student creating and performing um, to cultivate radical empathy and push for social change. I am a producer, actor, and talent manager. 
I, re- and I remembered that one. That was lovely. I used spunky in mine, too. I used busting out a blouse. Hey, Graham. Hey, guys. What's your elevator pitch? Tell us who you are. Who are you? Who we are don't you? know. I am a writer. Occasionally, I do some acting gigs from time to time. Uh, I have gotten into sound editing over the years, and that translates over to audio editing, which is what I help do for the podcast now. All our patron shit is by Graham. Thank Thank you. you. If you're a college student, we're giving you background, which is what we're about to get into. Which is probably going to be on your next paper. I love that we're advertising to people who are already listening to the episode. (laughs) You know, I've been drinking since 11 a.m., so... Yeah, it's just everything makes gin, sense right now. My my over recalled gin. Um, hey hey okay. listeners, reach know. out to one of your broke college friends or any of your friends and be like, "Wow, this is a great podcast. You should listen to it." And when they don't, tell them they should keep listening to it. Anyways, <laughs> hey Chels, hey Emily, tell me about this uh, juicy beetle. Oh, you mean beetle juice? What was it? Beetlejuice. What was that? Oh, no, I don't want to say it a third time. We know it happens. I know Graham knows what happens when you say it a third time because he's watched the movie a bazillion times. I like how you slowly became more Wisconsin. More Wisconsin. No, I was just drunk. I'm trying to go for Moira today. You'll see why. Moira. So let's, uh, let's dive right into this background of Beetlejuice, the musical. I didn't say it three times back to back, so it doesn't count. It yeah, has yeah. to be consecutive. It's, he's very clear in the song. Yes. It is based, Beetlejuice the Musical is based on the 1988 Tim Burton movie starring Alec Baldwin. We love a good Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Get through the list and I have to say something. Gina Davis. Oh, Michael Keaton. Yes. Winona Ryder. Yes. Jeffrey Jones. Okay. He's a child predator. And Catherine O'Hara. What, what? <laughs> Who we know and love as Moira Rose on Shit's Creek. Um, I was definitely, I think it was Friday or Thursday when I realized that Alec Baldwin was actually in that movie and that it was the skinny guy. Isn't he gorgeous? Uh, yeah. What He's happened? Gorgeous. Well, age. He, I mean, prelude to a kiss. It uh, wasn't much for later, was it? Or might it even be before? Know. I don't even know. I just, it was shocking to me. He, I, yeah. I kept forgetting that he was in that movie over the years. And then I read somewhere that that's actually one of his least favorite performances that he has ever done. And that, that he, he absolutely does not enjoy the movie because of it. Because oh, he had to be timid. Yeah. But also Michael Keaton. We had Batman who I was like, wow, I think that's <laughs> that's, that's what Johnny like Depp that. is now. <laughs> and would Johnny Depp ever play Batman? Uh, no. Exactly. It just, I, I was shocked. Not. Michael Keaton. I love Michael Keaton so much. He would do he's great. He would do anything. He's just he's a he's a team player. That's why I like Michael Keaton. I think he's a team player. He's say that again. A collaborator. Yes, he's a collaborator. He's a team player. He's good to go. Batman or Beetlejuice. Pick or one of the beasts. He's also in Spider Man. Spider Man as Batman with Tom Highland as Batman. Yeah, no, <laughs> he's the uh, he's what? the he's the villain in the in. No, Spider-Man. he's he's not Batman, but he. It's weird. He was Batman, and then he was Birdman, and then he was a Birdman. So exactly, exactly. I love that movie. Oh, I forgot about that movie. It was so weird. Anyway, back to the show. The show was adapted for stage in 2016 with music and lyrics by Australian composer and comedian Eddie Perfect. I hear he's perfect. He's perfect. So we're perfect together. He is actually Mr. Perfect. He is Mr. Perfect. 
quite literally, book by Scott Brown and Anthony King. I don't know any of these people, and for them to all have created this stage musical that's so shockingly good, like, Beetlejuice should not be this good of a musical, but it really is. Uh, but really, they, they took the movie and did they took some basic plot points. And they kind of hammered the nail in the coffin. Get out of here. Thank you. Get out of your apartment. <laughs> the musical had three readings and two laboratory workshops with most of what would be the original Broadway cast in their title roles. The pre-Broadway run in Washington happened in 2018 and finally, finally opened on Broadway at the Winter Garden Theater, which they do mention in the opening number in 2019 with previews in March and opening night in April. Unfortunately, due to coronavirus, Beetlejuice did not make it to an anniversary year in 2020 because they closed March 10th, 2020. Fuck you, Corona. Mm. Fuck you, Corona. But there's a national tour planned for the fall of 2021, and depending on how long the Broadway shutdown continues to go on, a new Broadway run at a new theater is expected. Yeah, because Music Man revival with Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster have already put their marquee up at the Whitner Garden. Yeah, that's that's why they closed. Mm. Uh, and actually, that's that's if I'm remembering correctly, that's that is why they closed at the Winter Garden was because of the Sutton mm-hmm. Foster revival. Hugh, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman revival. Yeah. And uh, of what music was it? Music Man? Of Music Man. And they, it was planned. That was already planned, but then the fans were like revolting. They were so mad. Yeah, I'm like, there's other theaters in New York. There are other theaters, but they they weren't planning, I think, on being as popular as they were, so it's planning, they're planning to come back, because the fans like revolted when they heard that Beetlejuice was closing. Yeah. It was planned to close before coronavirus, but I think they were supposed to at least get to a year before they absolutely closed. Because they, like, previews were in March, but they actually opened on Broadway in April, which really sucks. They didn't get to their year, but you it know sucks. what also really sucks? Huh. Is Alec Brightman had to go and... Uh, what did I say? Alec. Oh, it's fucking Baldwin. It's that's in my head. Um, that Alex Brightman mm-hmm. has to go and actually clean out his dressing room after being there for so long. I know. Oh. Alex Brightman, you might recognize his name because he was also Dewey in School of Rock at Winter Garden Theater. Mm-hmm. So he literally went from being the lead of... School of Rock, and then the, the theater transition, but he did not. He stayed there and became Beetlejuice, which brings me to the cast. So across Washington, D.C. and Broadway, it was pretty much the same lead cast. It, not even pretty much. It was the same was. lead cast. So we have Beetlejuice as Alex Brightman, Lydia Dietz as... In, well, Sophie. I'm going the wrong way. Sophia Ann Caruso is Lydia Dietz, who... I didn't really know her very well, but I was like, this little tiny child has such a great voice. Um, She's Rob, fantastic. Rob McClure is Adam Maitland. Rob, you might recognize his name because he um, was about to play Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. He's kind of a cool dude. Yeah. We have Carrie Butler as Barbara Maitland. Mm-hmm. Who's Carrie Butler, you may ask? I love she her. She was the woman in Mean Girls who played Mrs. George and all the other adult oh, women. Oh, yeah, we did talk about mm-hmm. her before. She also that. was mm-hmm. in Catch Me If You Can, mm-hmm. um, which is a song that you've never heard, apparently. It's like, I want to make it fly, fly. I'll be your alibi, my baby. I have heard that. I heard I it performed. It. I heard you, it performed. I knew you've heard it. I heard it, it performed at the Broadway. She's also, she was featured on a cast album for the song cycle by Kumin and, Dim- Kumin and Demon for, I forget the song that she sang, but it was... 
It was really cute. It's a really cute song. I'll find it later. She's kind of a big Broadway deal. Um, we have Adam Donheiser as Charles Dietz. Leslie Kritzer as Delia Schlimmer slash Miss Argentina. Cute. Danny Ruddy Gliano, Mac, who is Maxie Dean. Jill Abram, how do you pronounce that? Jill? I know, it's like... Abramovitz. Thank you. You're welcome. That one. She's Maxine Dean, so there's Maxie and Maxine, and also Juno. Um, we have Otho, who is played by Kevin Moonlow, and then Sky, the Girl Scout, who has her one little song. Dream role! Uh, is Dana Steingold. And actually, some of the ensemble members I recognized from um, the... White Christmas, Irving Berlin White Christmas National Tour. Mm-hmm. The guy who plays Bob is in the ensemble of this show. I know, I just oh, hit it with my cute. thing. Um, but it is funny because the role of Miss Argentina was actually added after the tryouts in D.C. And then they renamed Miss Shogath um, to, to Juno after the tryouts as well. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to some awards. You ready for this? Ready for it. Guess how many Tonys this show got. All of them. Zero. What the fuck? But it was nominated for... All of them? Like, all of them. It should have won all of them, y'all. Yeah. Set design at least. So it was uh, nominated in the 2000... Awesome. What year is this? My phone stopped 2018? Right. In the 2019 Tonys, it was nominated for Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical, which was Scott Brown and Anthony King, Best Original Score, Mr. Perfect, Best Performance by an Actor, Alex, Best Scenic Design in a Musical, David... Corins, Best Costume Design in a Musical, William Ivy Long. Best Lighting Design in a Musical, Kenneth Posner and Peter Negrini. Kenneth Posner you might recognize. Uh-huh. We've talked about him before. Yeah, I've heard his name. And then times. Best Sound Design of a Musical, which was Peter Hylinski. And then it did win Outstanding Set Design by David Corins for Outer Critics Circle Awards, and then it was nominated for Best Costume, or Outstanding Costume, Outstanding Projection Design, that's nice, and Outstanding oh, Featured yes. uh, Actress, which was Leslie uh, Kritzer. And then the Drama League Awards, it did win for, it, it won one thing, it won Founders Award for Excellence in Directing, by, and that was won by Alex Timbers, but was nominated for Outstanding Production and Distinguished Performance Award. Um, and then, oh my gosh, Drama Desk. So that was Drama League. Drama Desk, it won Outstanding Set Design. So it's winning something. As it should. But yeah. it's nominated projection. for Outstanding Actress, Outstanding Book of a Musical, Outstanding Costume, Outstanding Projection. All the same shit as the Outstanding Tommies. Wig and Hair. Almost mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. Outstanding Wig and Hair. And guess what? Ah. Outstanding Puppet Design. Yes. Because that puppet's badass. By Michael Curry. And then it won the Theater World Awards for Outstanding New York City Stage Debut Performance by Little Miss, Lydia herself, Sophia Ann Caruso. Who left the show, like, two months before they were supposed to close. Yeah, she did. I don't know if it was planned, though. They they planned the closing, but she she left to go and work on something. Yeah. Yeah. They had just replaced her when, like... Yeah. (laughs) When the show closed. I follow her on Instagram. Yeah, it was. I follow her on Instagram, and I, I love her. She is an advocate for suicide prevention and um, depression, and I, she speaks out about it because she suffers from it as well, and she's not ashamed of talking about it. So I really do love following Sophie and Caruso. And she's just so freaking talented. So talented. She's so freaking talented. She has fierce eyebrows. She, she's just incredible. I think that her acting in this role is so important. Because I think that a lot of young, maybe a lot of younger people now nowadays, everyone can sing, but I think 
what she adds to the character is so important. And she plays Lydia Dietz. Well, and she has one of those kind of like weirdo voices. It's not the typical commercial voice. Yeah. Yeah. I actually know her from a different show that I kind of want to talk about once we get around to Dead Mom, because I I, want to talk about if you want to audition with Dead Mom, use this song instead, because everybody's hearing Dead Mom right now. But there's this other lesser known show. Maybe. I don't know. I've never talked to anyone about it. Lazarus. Um, It's funny because her voice and when Dead Mom... Everyone I've heard perform Dead Mom, they haven't kept kind of like the, like, as you said, Zach, she's such a great actress and you can hear it in her recordings where she, I always say, Uh don't be afraid to sound ugly. Mm. And there's parts in Dead Mom where she like doesn't really sound like she doesn't sound like her fullest voice, but she doesn't need to be screaming at us on the, on the recording. It sounds great. But every time I hear people sing Dead Mom, they're like, "Ah, I'm sitting pretty. So, well, I think, I think Dead Mom needs to be a little bit more on the, um, Pensive, pensive side than than angsty uh-huh. rather than screamo yet. Yeah. I mean, she does, she does scream it by the end. But my God, when we get there, we'll talk mm-hmm. about it. It's so good. We're so that opens. <laughs> we're that, talking. That we're talking. But that brings us into the show, Act One, that opens on a prologue. Invisible. So in the song, we see a group of people who are in a graveyard mourning the passing, not Mora, but mourning the passing of Emily Dietz. Who's Emily Dietz, you might ask? Well, she is the mother of Lydia, who we just harped about. We actually don't hear her name yet. Oh, we don't hear her name. I'm- That's the point of <laughs> of singing Dead Mom. I didn't well, get to you watch will it. get there. We'll get there. But yes, her name's Emily. Hey, <laughs> I'm not dead yet. You're invisible when you're sad. Holy crap! A ballad already! And such a bold departure from the original source material! A millennia old demon named Beetlejuice appears and mocks the idea of living life to the fullest, as it will all be worthless once death comes, and then the whole song starts the whole being dead thing. Hey folks, begging your pardon. Excuse me, sorry to barge in. He, the Beetlejuice talks about the opportunity to shut off your phones. It's a show about death, drink $15 wine. Um, Beetlejuice really uh, breaks the fourth wall and communicates with the audience, which I definitely think was really fun to be a part of when I saw the show. Uh, Beetlejuice then tells the audience how as a demon, he's invisible to all living beings unless he gets a living person to say his name three times, and he reveals that he has come up with a plan to accomplish this. So just relax, you'll be fine. Drink your $50 wine and take a breath. Ooh, welcome to a show about death. The reason why I want to bring this up real quick, the one of the, his first lines, Graham, mm-hmm. is, wow, such a, what is a... A lively? Such a break from the oh yeah from the, the original, original content yeah I remember yes. from the source Actually, material says, he says from the source, I listened to that what a break album. from the source yes. material I did I enjoyed that I'm, when I was listening I was to like this. Lydia has a dead mom I wonder if that's going to be important to the rest of the story at all in mm-hmm. the slightest <laughs> yeah he's like what a, a, a this sad isn't the song movie. a I sad song so, so early <laughs> and a break from the original source material ah. 
He, I, so stupid. I love this. It's such I love a this great musical. little little thing for Alex. That like, when he said drink your fifty, he's like, and you can sit and drink your fifteen dollar wine. I'm like, <laughs> totally right. And I totally relate with what he just said. I want to say he changes words constantly. Like he mm-hmm. talks about welcome to the Winter Garden Theater as a part of the song. I'm sure when they move, there are so many words in, in the songs of this musical. I was like, what is this Hamilton? The, the Tonys did that too, <laughs> where he would change mm. certain lyrics and like for one of it. He was like, I have to do this shit eight times a week. But in the Tony version, he says, and yes, my voice sounds like this eight times a week. Uh-huh. Yeah. They did. And he changed it up, too, for the Thanksgiving Day performance. Yeah. He has a little, we'll, we'll post it. There's a little uh, playbill thing about how he says how he does that voice. I want to um, know, because James is like, I want to play this role, so but I don't want to grind. Does, yeah, he does how he how he safely does the voice. Uh, I want to know. Little, there's a video feature. I think it's Playbill. I'll look for it, and I'll, I'll send it to you. God, I hope you're ready for a show about death. Beetlejuice then introduces Adam and Barbara Maitland. They are a normal married couple. They are boring as shit. They're white as they vanilla. They are white as hell. And they desperately want to start a family, but are not emotionally ready to project their insecure. Oh, but are not emotionally ready to have a child, so they project their insecurities into their hobbies, like pottery yeah. <laughs> and antique collecting. Like, it opens with Adam taking this, this thing off of a baby crib, and he's, like, polishing it up, and you think it's for them, but then he gets, like, a phone call, and he's like, yeah, your crib's ready. When's the baby coming? Oh, it's already come. Okay, cool. I'll get it to you soon. So, <laughs> Where's it sleeping? Where's the baby going to sleep? I don't know. Probably it's still in the hospital. But the Maitlands reason to themselves why they are not ready for a child in the song Ready, Set, Not Yet. Look at this crib. Folks say, Adam, why do you polish a crib when you don't have a kid? Are you willing to take the next step? Ready, set. Ready, set. Look at these jugs. They then fall to their deaths through the unstable floorboards in their home. And what I love about this song is that throughout Beetlejuice, like before the song, in the the little scene before, and during the song, and then right after the song, Beetlejuice is like, they're about to die. That's the last sandwich she's ever going to eat. Hey, here it comes. Spoiler alert. And then he's like, hey, by the way, they're dead now. Ha! Told you. So it's not from, it's, it's still a fall, just not from a bridge. Right. I kind of like that they changed the death uh, through th- that they died in their house rather than out drowning on the bridge because I was in, in the logic that plays a part in the logic of Beetlejuice. How you die is what you are forever, and that's why Adam and Barbara wear the same clothes the entire time. But I remember they were debating: well, they drowned, so should we keep the actors wet for the entire movie? And realize that, mm. no, that would be a really dumb idea, uh, that, that the actors wouldn't be comfortable <laughs> being just soaked the whole time. Well, so I like sure that Gina they Davis changed and Alec it. would love that. I like that they changed it to where they were in their house so much for so long that that's literally yeah. how they die. I mean, they're getting paid to be uncomfortable. That's mm. what the model of the marble <laughs> well, people also, say. Well, also, if you look at continuity... Anytime you step out of your house once you're dead or out of the space that you're in once you're dead, you're going to be eaten by a sandworm. Mm -hmm. Like, that's coming up, too. But, yeah, how do they make it all the way back to their house from the bridge that they've... Yeah. There's just... The continuity is, like, 
zip. So I like what they did too. Tim Burton wanted to have a dog in the movie, so that was his chance to have it. (laughs) See, I wasn't kidding. It's a show about death. So then, speaking of changing things up, the handbook for the recently deceased, it falls out of the air into the house before Adam and Barbara can find it. And so in the in the stage version, Beetlejuice decides to burn it because he wants to manipulate and trick the Maitlands to haunt their house and get somebody to say his name three times so he can... The book has a fucking cameo. I know. Well, no, well it's, it's a puppet. Hey, are there any kids in the audience today? Hey there, Beetlejuice! It's just like puppet show and then oh wow how do you kill a book how do you kill a book real fast <laughs> burn burn it throws it in the ah! throws it in the fireplace lights That's a fireplace so anyway whatever it's so stupid keep going keep going so he needs a living person to say his right. name three times to, yeah to cause havoc okay continue. so then the when the maitlands come back because they and start to realize that they're dead Uh, Beetlejuice uh, reveals himself to the couple and he offers to help them adjust to the afterlife in the song, The Whole Being Dead Thing, Part 2. Ready? Okay. Hi. I'll be your guy. He also, like, points out that they're super white and it it makes it really hard to not cast the roles as anything other than white. So, yeah, because yeah. we talked. So I, I would I would argue that white, like they're super white, is like straight lace, a, a description for straight laced, mm-hmm. which is like, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. And it was just very because no, he was like, um, you can change who you are except for being white, and then he turns around and goes, you're so vanilla or so all these things. I'm like, if you use, I don't know, if, but in the world of like changing words, it seems like they're pretty fluid. So I just was like, huh. This seems like a really hard way to cause... I mean, there's so many other roles, though, that I guess that maybe that's the point. It's like... I think you could probably change the I, I word gonna say, real easily. Yeah, everything yeah. about this show feels very improv and very kind of... Mm-hmm. You can change it for the like, occasions. The whole being dead thing has been cut up into a whole bunch of pieces... But if you're listening to the album, you're not going to hear part three, but part three is there. During part three, Beetlejuice reveals to the Maitlands that somebody has bought their house. Oh, I forgot to mention this. If you die due to something, mm-hmm. like your house causing your death, it has to be disclosed in the disclosure for when you sell that house. Emily's a realtor. That's why like, the realtor, I was watching Beetlejuice. I was like, wow, this realtor is being so pushy. And then I realized that's why people think realtors are like that. Some are. Were you I thinking about the movie? Yeah, in the movie, oh, the okay. realtor's such a, she's like, hi, sell your house. I have this offer, which is kind of a weird. It's the neighbor who's the realtor. Yeah, which yeah is she's not in the musical. Which is a weird thing. Anyway, so yeah, I'm kind yeah. of glad that they got off that. But yeah, so if they fell through their house, so, they have to, so somebody has to disclose that. So the Dietzes should have known that when they bought it. But they end up buying the Maitlands' house, and the Maitlands are like, we don't want them in our house. So in order to get them out, they will have to scare them away, So, according to Beetlejuice. So they accept Beetlejuice's help to try and get 
these people out of their house. So while moving in, um, Charles reveals to Lydia that he wants to start a gated community, Charles being Lydia's father, um, and using this house as a flagship model home and is holding a dinner party with some of his business friends. Lydia expresses her desire for her mother to return, mentioning the fact that nobody seems to care that she is gone. And that prompts the next... Uh, it, it is the place of where the I Want song is, but mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely an I Want song. Um, it's said mom uh, praying for her mother to send a sign that oh, she's yeah. still there. Lydia vows to make her father acknowledge the fact that tragedy has struck their family. And I thought this was the strangest song title, Dead Mom, before I started, before I watched the whole thing yesterday, the bootleg, the non-bootleg. Until you you saw context. Until I saw the context of it. The reason why she's saying dead mom is that they just don't say the name because the father finds it, we find out later, the father finds it too painful to talk about it. So he, Charles is shut down, right? Completely shut down. Okay. Yeah, complete denial that anything's happened. He's even moved on at this point. Which I guess is, ties into the original st- or the actual story because they weren't called the Dietzes, were they? Were. They? they were? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So it's just like harping on the fact like why Winona Ryder's character is so weird. Strange and unusual. I too am strange and, strange and, unusual. and unusual. And that ties into the fact that I think they're characterizing Beetlejuice as this guy who feels very neglected unless somebody says his name. Mm-hmm. So it's the whole theme of names and having We're giving backstory to yeah. we've, we've got some character study There's now on motif. Beetlejuice. There's a motif. And Beetlejuice is a real... As, as amazing and wonderful yeah. as the original film is, they leave a lot of stuff open and not mm-hmm. very explained or developed, which is why it's a cult mm-hmm. classic. But I, I appreciate that the musical went out of its way to kind of flesh that out more. Yeah, and we find out more about Beetlejuice as well um, throughout the entire thing about his mother being a demon and ignoring him as well. Mm-hmm. So in, that brings us into... Demons. Huh? Speaking of demons. Speaking of demons, after Dead Mom, we are brought into the song Fright of Their Lives. Okay, listen up, I'm not gonna lie. Right now you couldn't frighten a fly or scare a seagull off of a fry. You ever stop to ask yourself why? where we are brought into the attic and Beetlejuice is trying to teach the Maitlands how to be scary. Sorry, the, the wine is hitting and, and the gin is hitting. So despite his best attempts at trying to teach them how to be scary ghosts, he just can't do it. He just can't do it because they are too... Vanilla. Vanilla. And white. They are straight-laced little vanilla ghosties. So they're like... He, he's like, in one of, one of the parts he says... What makes you angry? And she's like, oh, people that skip you in line or something like that. Something yeah. really stupid. Or somebody like you know. people who don't smile back. Yeah, something really <laughs> like just inconsiderate or whatever that's just rude, but not like infuriating. Neither of them are infuriated by anything because they're just so vanilla. They don't, they don't whine. whine. They don't whine. That's their whole problem. <laughs> Basically, because the Maitlands are so straight-laced, Beetlejuice becomes frustrated with the couple and decides to ditch them. So they are going to try to scare the Dietz family away by themselves 
by putting sheets over their heads so they look like spooky ghosts. In the song, Ready, Set, Reprise. That needy pervert was right. If we want our house back, we have to fight for it. Well, how? No one can see us. We're ghosts, damn it! Let's haunt this bitch! He says reprise like me. Uh, I'm a reprise, reprise as well. Reprise. Reprise? It depends on how they need it to rhyme in the song. That's, <laughs> That's honestly the real answer. Okay. <laughs> True. Was, I'm, I'm an ugly Betty watcher where he goes, reprise. <laughs> so, ever since. So the reprise and it's an interval. But, you get the long one. You now. know that was that story <laughs> I had to tell for no reason, <laughs> which brings us into this awesome scene change into the house. Your segues <laughs> are suck. so good, so bad. I'm very good at segues. Thank you, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a little scene change into that am- amazing, outstanding set that was nominated mm. um, with the song "No Reason." Is more than just space with no end. La 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 la. Just think of the universe as a female best friend. By the same set designer as Hamilton. Oh, okay. My Didn't question. I have a question, and Zach, if you know this, let me know. The inside of their house. So it's a forced perspective. The the inside of the house. You've got the the rooftop thing, and then you've got the inside of the living room area and the kitchen area. What is forced perspective? Can you explain that? No. No. Is that like it's like a little box in the middle and then you make it bigger? Yeah. Some things that are far, like quote unquote far away yeah. are smaller. So they have like the middle of the set is smaller. Yeah. Parts of the set it, smaller. It's like how when a statue you feel like, like its eyes are like following you is because it, nah, I was going to do a haunted man. Oh, I see. So it's like yeah. in, in elementary school in art class when you would draw literally a square in the mm-hmm. middle of the rectangle and then you have the diagonals out and mm-hmm. it looks like, okay. Yeah. Cool. That's so neat. it's. Sorry, I could not explain that. I just know the yeah. word, and I know when I see yeah. it. I'm like, that, that thing. So I'm looking at pictures right now of the house, and I want to say that this is going to answer my question. Is the house on the inside, when they show it, completely white, and everything is just Projected. painted with projections? That's what I want to say happens because of how they do the Beetlejuice change. And then from the Dietz's house to the, or from the Maitland's house to the Dietz's house, it's so fast of a change. I, I think like, how did they get the wallpaper yeah, down I, so fast? What, what happened? I think the set design was incredible in that Brilliant. The, the set is, it, it goes from what they do is they have like the roof, there's different like areas. There's the attics, there's the attic with a balcony at the end of Act One, which we'll get to later. Um, there's the main living room. There's a living room now with the deep living in it. There's, I think what what David Corrin said very well is he he brought brought the movie even more to life. I think it, it, it made it almost seem kind of like a movie because of the fact that it, it, it was. It was over the top in every single way. The puppetry, the the, the lighting design, the, even the character Beetlejuice was, in my opinion, even more so over the top than Michael Keaton's Beetlejuice. Well, it's a very, very, very cool set. So from the from the Dietz's or from the Maitland set uh, house with the wallpaper, moving into the Dietz's house with the more 
crazy sculptures. We've got like that three pronged looking sculpture thing that comes in and the, the chandelier changes and everything changes. It's very cool how they do that set change. So this is all still happening during no reason where a woman has been, has been hired by Charles to be Lydia's life coach and his secret lover. I don't think he hired her for that, but you know, that was just a benefit. She was, she, you know, secret lover. And yeah. her name is Delia. And she tells Lydia how everything happens for a reason. No good deed goes unpunished. Um, but when she's trying to, like, tell her all this, she is really having some issues, like, coming from a positive state of mind. She, so, says, she says something she's about like, how her husband leaves. Loves to, Even if your husband her. leaves you. He leaves you for, for a reason. For a man on a boat. <laughs> takes your dog. It's like the ultimate country song at that point. Yeah, except for not country at all. It's a very specific yeah. example that she's pulling out there. <laughs> and Lydia in the background yeah. is like, literally is goes, this still specific. about me? <laughs> I know. Lydia literally goes, "Is it, this is very specific. Is this about me? Is this me? about me? Like terrible things can happen. After the session, Lydia actually ends up meeting the Maitlands, the ghost, because they are running around the house. They are running around the house trying to scare the Dietzes, and they're like, and she's like, dude. So Lydia feels like it's a medium without actually knowing she's a medium. Well, because, and they ask, they're like, you can see us? And she's like, yeah, I can see you. The strange and unusual. Which she's like, which encouraged a wave of youths to become goth in the hopes of... (laughs) <laughs> Let's all be like Winona Ryder and exactly. steal things and be gothic. Exactly. Love it. Um, but so she meets and she can see the very vanilla Maitlands. And she wants to leave the house just as much as the Maitlands want her family to leave the house. She doesn't really want to be there anymore because um, I think she associates the house with her dead mom. And so she tries to convince her dad that the house is haunted because she knows it is. Um, but he find or she finds out that he and Delia are actually engaged after pulling the top sheet off his bed, and Delia is hiding underneath. So yeah, that's like, oh, they're having like a little sexy. Oh, scene. we see you in your in bed. Like that's yeah. <laughs> I love how she doesn't find out that they're dating. She finds out they're engaged well, by pulling off. Yeah, Delia, I mean, or Lydia sees an opportunity here. She's like, oh, if I can scare my dad out of the house, I can go home. And honestly, earlier in the show, when they move into the house, Mm -hmm. Lydia didn't know they were moving. I don't know why she doesn't know. That's a big change. But her, she like literally makes her entrance on the couch covered in a sheet. The sheet comes off and her dad's like, by the way, we're staying here. Wow. She's like, but mom loved our old house. Like Lydia is being not talked to at yeah, all. Yeah, she's not, no communication. It sounds like spring She's not awakening. being kept in the loop at all. She, she's, I think she thinks that she's just like, she's like with her dad for her dad's business meeting. She's just there. Mm-hmm. Airbnb, man. Yeah, <laughs> she just thinks she's there and her life coach happens to be accompanying them. Her life coach, she kinda, she's kind of chill though. Cause she's like, at one point she goes like, Crystals, crystals, what are you saying? Buy more crystals! No, it's like... Can we just talk about how this is basically Hamlet at this point, where her her mom is dead, and then the dad immediately starts dating someone else, and so then she starts talking to ghosts, and then... And and things happen. And then she thinks about killing herself, but doesn't, you know. But wait, does she have to say Hamlet three times? Hamlet, Hamlet, Hamlet. It's not Hamlet, that's like Amalet. Amalet. (laughs) Amalet. 
I was thinking more of Lion King. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. Ooh. <laughs> Say it again. Mufasa. <laughs> Ooh. I love um, This song, though, sounded, it sounded like um, Goya is like uh, the Somebody Stop. I Used to Know song. I don't think that's his Go-tier. name. I thought it was Goya. What's his name? Gautier. Gautier, yeah. I... Goya is like a dream. <laughs> Wait, yogurt. she's right. Oh no, it's 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 a coconut milk that I buy. That's why. Whatever the fuck his name is, I I have to. I have a lot of things that go on in my brain, and so I I abbreviate a lot of things. When I meet people, the first thing I ask is like, "So what then can I call you?" Chelsea, you can call me Goya. Please call me but Goya. But you can call me Goya. <laughs> You can call me. Goya. I will probably. I think I like sometimes refer to Zach as Z, I just because I Zach is too hard to say. To spell <laughs> at least spelling it. One of one of her sayings is also success. It's yes. like suck. Yes. <laughs> they stole that from me. She's the comic relief for sure. I'm confused. When we were watching this, I was like, I need to play Delia. See, I would put you as Lydia, and then I would be Delia. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Delia, ha- no. Delia has... Actually, I think you'd be a great Emily Dietz. No. Fuck you. <laughs> Delia has the best costume quick change oh, in the yeah, whole show, show, and we'll talk about it. Feeling as if Charles is trying to replace her mother, Lydia flees to the roof in a beautiful scene change where a depressed Beetlejuice laments that he will never be seen. when you're me. Can you see me? Yeah. You can see me! I'm gonna have a new best friend! He becomes ecstatic, however, when he realizes Lydia can see him and tries to convince her not to kill herself with the intention of getting her to free from his curse getting her to free him from his curse. Lydia teases Beetlejuice, but does not say his name in the song, Say My Name. It's kind of like a a mashup of Say My Name and Invisible Reprise. You could use a buddy. Don't you want a pal? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Wait, but first you gotta say my name. Mm -hmm. Say my name, say my name. Not that one. Not that one. Wrong one. He said exactly. Pretty similar, though. The Maitlands come to check, out, check in on Lydia, only to be possessed by Beetlejuice into saying positive things about him to further convince Lydia to say his name. Uh, Lydia pushes Beetlejuice off the roof. And yeah, that, that is really the epitome of this mashup, huge moment in, near the end of Act One. And the, the uh, Maitlands are like, Lydia? And she's like, what? Yeah. He's already dead. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, upon learning, so she just watched Beetlejuice possess the Maitlands, and then she pushes him off the roof. And she's and he before he goes off the roof, he's like, "Well, any ghost, you know, that's like rule number one, or like scare tactic number one. Any ghost can can possess somebody." And she's like, "Any ghost?" He's like, "Yeah." Then he she pushes him off and talks to the Maitlands about possessing somebody for her. To scare her father. And 
Lydia decides she doesn't want to work with Beetlejuice. He seems a little sketchy. <laughs> Just, Just a, a little, little sketch. A little bit. And instead, she's going she's gonna to turn to the Maitlands to ruin Charles's, her father's party, to scare him out of the house and go back to their old house so she can be closer to her mom. Because now she knows that ghosts are real. She's thinking, maybe I can commune with my mom in our old house. Mm-hmm. And that brings us into the party. So then... Uh, the dinner party scene happens where Barbara and Adam decide to possess Charles Delia and their guests with this very iconic Harry Belafonte song, uh, Deo, the banana boat song. But instead of that scaring them off, the investors are seeing the ghosts as a marketing and a selling point, which makes them even more interested in Charles' project. Business friends. I have only known this amazing, amazing man and his unique daughter for a few months. I don't even know how many. I'd have to check my pay stubs. But as my guru, Otho, always says, What? What's going on, Delia? This is, like, killer. I love this. Yeah, I love how they, like, I think... They're like, oh, we're not even gonna, we weren't even gonna like help invest in your gated project, but we will but no. now because it's haunted. I love that these the Maitlands, mm-hmm. these straight lace white vanilla people choose to possess them with a traditional Jamaican folk song, <laughs> which is categorized as calypso music. Um, if you don't know the song Deo, the banana boat song, it is a work song that's sang from the point of view of dock workers uh, who are working the night shift. And, like, loading bananas into boats. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we want the, the sun to come so that we can go home. Daylight comes, so, and we want to go home or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but, like Graham said, um, it was, the best version is actually recorded by American singer Harry Belafonte in 1956. And he named the song opposite, Banana Boat slash Deo. But then in 1956, the Terriers also, or, at, yeah. 1956, the Terriers released a version um, that included parts of Hill and Gully Rider, which is another folk song, and that was recorded by Shirley Bassey in 1957 for her 1959 album. I'm super fucking impressed with all this background, yes. but they definitely don't play the Belafonte song on stage. They they absolutely have her sing it, and she has she has to have a range to be able to do this mm-hmm. song. They have Delia. Delia yeah, yeah, it. yeah. So Delia is the one who's singing it, but it's like people know this song because, and it's still copyrighted by all these people, more or less. Um, so that's why we're bringing it up. So the Fontaine sisters, which is the one you might mention, they mimicked the the Terriers version. Um, but it was charted number thirteen in nineteen fifty seven in the U S., which I thought was fascinating. So. It's arguably, like, I would say the most iconic scene from the film. And they're like, there's no way we're doing this show without doing those two songs that Belafonte does. But what was what uh, in some of my research in the into the trivia of the film, they almost didn't use that song. They wanted to do an Ink Spots song, like something very nice, because that fits into the very boring straight lace kind of thing of the Maitlands, but then Catherine O'Hara was such a Calypso fan that she insisted that they do something Seriously? like that. Exactly. Which was, this makes uh, so much and sense. Then, and then Tim Burton was like worried. He did not like the scene because he didn't think it was funny enough. And of course, all of the audiences said otherwise. And 
best part of the movie, hands down. Which brings us on into the end of Act 1, where Lydia is feeling very desperate, so she does end up resorting to summoning Beetlejuice by saying his name three times in consecutive order, which she had teased him earlier. Now she's like, I guess I'll do it. And so... Um, well, she says it because she's she's upset that the it backfired, the possession backfired. Yeah, yeah. She's so mad. So the possession... Yeah. So the possession of the Deces did end up backfiring for the whole plan because the Maitlands... Like, the investor really liked that the house was haunted, so now they're going to bring people there to see the haunted house as opposed to have a gated community and like sweetly haunted, not scary haunted. And so Lydia's, she, yeah, she's, there's no chance of her heading back. She actually made matters worse. So in a desperate attempt, she does summon Beetlejuice and she ends up screaming his name, which is where I thought act one would end, which it didn't. And so Beetlejuice appears. He is now visible to everyone and he is able to affect the world around him. He ends up forcing the Maitlands back to the attic and then throws Charles Delia and the investors out of the house, which which Lydia's like, yes, do that. And Lydia is left quite pleased with her efforts. And it's showtime! Now, kid! Whoa! Looks like we're not invisible anymore! Zach, do you want to talk to us about this scene change? Because I think it's the coolest fucking scene change. Yeah, there's it's like a crazy. lot. It sounds like a lot's going um, on in the recording. It definitely leaves everyone in the audience super excited for what's coming next in the show because uh, there's an intermission after it. The, the scene change is crazy because the thing, everything in the house starts moving. Of course, Beetlejuice is, is, is visible and he's, he's basically possessing everyone there along. Uh, I don't remember it super vividly, but I remember he's possessing everyone. He throws Charles out. Uh, there's a, a super funny clip of Delia uh, being thrown out of the house as well. All of the business get people who are there for the meeting. It's actually, it's very entertaining because, of course, the whole the story revolves around Lydia and and you feel for her. But I think it, uh, this over-the-top, the over-the-topness of the movie is further pursued and pushed in this version. I think it's... Oh, yeah. It, with the like, 2020 abilities. He, he does his little, his little line, it's showtime. And then, like, as soon as he says that, Everything changes. The projections of the Dietz's house go from this modern, cool look to everything's in black with white outlines. Like the entire house changes. It's with the projections. Just like Jekyll and that. Hyde, we just got to the show. <laughs> the show is here. The show, we're yes, here. Yes, like Jekyll and Hyde, remember, was like the last song. It was like, okay, now we're finally at the show. Oh. We're here. We're finally at the show. It's showtime. It's showtime. It's showtime. At Act 2. Yeah. See, seeing all Just of, go. like, I saw clips of, like, everything changing and the huge special effects. I wanted to see that so bad because my imagination was just, like, running wild about what they could do with puppets and projections. Oh, oh. oh the puppet does come in later. But, man, the, those projections are badass. Um, 
I like the spiky cool. dining room chairs. It's like, come to my house, but don't stay. But don't stay. <laughs> don't stay. And that's the end of Act One. And everyone goes and refills their fifteen dollar wine. Yes, they do. Ding ding ding. So in Act Two, other stuff happens, or does the show die here? Other stuff definitely happens. I like how we did we converse over Google we Docs. Over sometimes. Google Docs, yeah. <laughs> It is a show about death. It is a show about death. Yeah. So Sorry. Act Two, Act Two starts up with um, a Girl Scout, basically uh, a little Girl Scout named Sky, who actually is the understudy for the girl who plays the Sky, the Girl Scout, is the understudy for Lydia. Oh, that makes sense. It's her after Sophia and Crusoe left the show, which was right before coronavirus down. And the Girl Scout explains cheerfully to the audience that she has a serious heart condition. Anything terrifying can essentially kill her. <laughs> so she goes up to the, the door of Ladita's house. Pretty typical day. She rings the door, and um, the house is taken over by the demon Beetlejuice and, and Lydia. And um, they're hoping to sell some Girl Scout cookies. They proceed to scare the shit out of her, sending her away, screaming <laughs> from the house. Gonna sell some cookies. But they get their Girl Scout cookies, right? Yes, they get the cookies. They get the cookies. It's so they get terrible. <laughs> so, so Lydia and Beetlejuice are like Beetlejuice. They are in like cohorts now. Yeah, yeah they're a team. They're, they're buddies. Like, oh, she the thinks like, no. Beetlejuice thinks that Lydia's his best friend now. Yeah. Ooh. What does Lydia think? Lydia. Actually, we'll t- we'll talk about it in a second. Okay. She come back another time when your parents are home. So, after scaring the shit out of the Girl Scout and having a lot of fun with it. Her white pants are now brown. Yeah, her white pants are now (laughs) brown. We get directly into the song, That Beautiful Sound. Stop talking about my voice like that. Do you hear that sound? (laughs) That beautiful sound. Lydia, in this song, Lydia and Beetlejuice decide that they are having a lot of fun scaring the shit out of people. And Beetlejuice (laughs) makes copies of himself to help scare the shit out of varying people, including neighbors, pizza delivery people, and mailmen throughout the song. (laughs) All of these copies of Beetlejuice are unique in some way, and I thought it was really fun to watch them dancing around. Like, one of the first things that happened is Lydia and Beetlejuice are answering the door with this Beetlejuice copy facing the door, and each of them is on one side, and they rip the arms off of this guy, and there's, like, blood on the end of the arms, and the guy at the door goes, and runs off. That same guy with no arms, stays on stage through the entire song and does all of the difficult dance numbers that are in small group. Like, I watched him the whole time. With no arms? With no arms. Especially all the stuff that's, like, arms up and arms up. He's just, like... I just realized something. What? You were saying copies, and in my brain, I was like, oh, he made photocopies. And there's oh, these no, pieces of paper, actually like, burn people. book. No, it's people. It's people dressed as Beetlejuice. There's different oh. different had all ensemble members. Yeah, the ensemble members are coming out Jeez. dressed as Beetlejuice. It's hilarious in this song. And they're all over the place. That beautiful sound that they're talking about is the screams of horror from people that they are scaring the shit out of. Ah. Um, one of the guys, it faces the door and does the iconic snake face thing that, that Beetlejuice does in the movie. But you don't actually see it from head on. You see it from the 
back. Um, front, he's facing away from the audience, and all you see is snakes pop out as he answers the door to a delivery man. One person, I don't, I think he just kind of pies the neighbor in the face. The neighbor comes over, who originally is the realtor in the movie, but it's just a neighbor in this one, comes mm. over with a pie, and he like pies her in the face. Anyway, all of these characters, all these ensemble members that are also Beetlejuice, they're just fucking hilarious and the song is long and it's a great dance number so much fun uh i think one of them does actually have one of the long faces too that the deetses do in the movie i want to say that i saw that too the whole the stretch face thing that's on every hot topic shirt ever made yes because the deetses don't do that they don't do that in the in the the, maitlands i'm sorry the maitlands don't do that they didn't do it on stage stage. in front of the whole audience i know i know i'm I'm upset i want to alec baldwin (laughs) the special effects in this are incredible. I've been following them on Instagram. Mm -hmm. They're really good. After the song, Beetlejuice tells Lydia that since she lives and works amongst the dead now, she needs to know the rules, so he hands her a copy of the handbook for the recently deceased, that thing that they burned earlier. She can't open it to read it, though, because she's not dead. So she has to go up to the attic to with those two ghosts that live there and get help from Adam and Barbara to open the book. And the reason why Lydia is doing this is because she wants to use it in order to reconnect with her dead mom. Mm-hmm. I knew it was important. Oh, there's a song about <laughs> it. So BJ. <laughs> I think it's actually BG. <laughs> it is. His name is spelled Goyce. Beetle Goyce. Yeah, the, I think I think the juice thing was just like a marketing tactic that mm-hmm. was funny. And it worked. It was really funny. Yeah, because it's B E E T E L G E U S E. And then after a star from the Orion Nebula. I did not know that. Oh, I I knew that. I didn't know which came first. If you're a Hitchhikers fan, they talk about Beetlejuice and Hitchhikers. Uh, That's why we keep Graham around. But Beatles. Beetlejuice's juice is what makes the show go. So Lydia has has gone up to Barbara and Adam, so she no longer is enlisting Beetlejuice for his help when she's trying to read this book. So he's feeling a little a little alone and a little betrayed. So he starts talking to his cop or to all of himself. He's talking to himself, but like there's copies of himself. So he's yeah. actually talking to a human standing in front of him, human demon. That is himself. About how he can trick Lydia into marrying him so he will no longer be alone and betrayed. Lies. So he can live among the living and leave the house. A child. A child bride, basically. He's like, it's a green card kind of situation. And that joke comes up several times. Oh, good. He's, I'm glad it clarifies. He actually, <laughs> Beetlejuice later, he will make a note to the audience saying, it's disgusting that some... Uh, cultures think that child bride situations are okay, but this is a green card situation. <laughs> he he actually does break the fourth wall mm. several times to if make you that. have to, if you have to exactly. justify your wrong actions, then your actions are still probably wrong. Yes, and that's the point. He's a demon. He he's <laughs> oh oh sorry, I forgot about that. You're he's right, Jeetle, right. he's he's Jeetle Oh, he's Jeetle a bad boost. guy. That's he's, right. He's the bad guy. I, I don't get it. He becomes an okay guy by the end, though. Yeah, yeah. Demon. In the attic, Barbara and Adam read the book, noticing that they missed out on going to the Netherworlds instead of staying in the house. 
from when they originally read the book, it was telling them to go to the netherworld, uh, but they missed that when they read it the first time. Adam draws the chalk door and knocks three times so he can enter the netherworld, which is honestly the fucking super cool effect. I was like, Um, how the fuck did they do that? That actually like projections definitely, but that is like it's not normal. Like I've never seen something of that caliber on Broadway at all. Because the projections drew the chalk in green, and then they knocked on the door. It opened where you thought it was just a closed or it's just a wall drawing you thought it was just a wall there it ends up there's an actual door there that opens on its own and fog comes out and green lights behind it projections created the door um the door opens and barbara immediately shuts it because she's afraid to leave she doesn't know what would be behind the door Mm -hmm. um but lydia is upset by this because she was hoping to to go in with them and summon her dead mom after lydia leaves the attic upset at both Barbara and Adam for being too scared to do shit. She sings, uh, Barbara sings this song called Barbara 2.0. And in the song, she has the realization that all of her fear has held her and Adam back all their lives. Look at this stuff. God, it's depressing. I don't like this stuff. Barbara, this is our stuff. So they both decide to become braver and better. She even admits to hating pottery, which is literally like the only thing she did in life. (laughs) Or she put all her insecurities. She put all of her insecurities into her pottery. So then uh, Delia, Charles, and Delia's guru, which is not an exorcist like Charles thought they were bringing over, uh, enter the house again. This is Otho? Otho. Mm -hmm. Otho, right. Uh, After being scared off in Act 1, they go back into the house to rescue Lydia, and they bring a box with them that traps souls. Uh, Beetlejuice then tricks Lydia into reading a passage from the book that will resurrect her mother. But instead, this passage that she reads ends up being an exorcism of a spirit chant, and it's being used on Barbara, where she's up in the air, moaning, she's trapped. And it's basically meaning it is death for the dead. So in order to for Beetlejuice to undo the exorcism, Lydia has to agree to marry him, again, a green card kind of thing. In the song, The Whole Being Dead Thing, Part 4, which, sorry, that is also not on the album. So that's that's kind of the idea, which I realized when I was watching the movie. There's that room of of souls, like the the un, uncharted souls or something like that. It's like that's oh, like death. Yeah. That's like death for the dead. Death for the dead. They and do mention it's the exorcism. It's exorcised spirits. Yes. Is where they go. And this is that yeah. that iconic scene where Delia, not Delia, where Barbara and Adam are, are like, like in their wedding clothes, mm-hmm. but they don't actually do that in the movie because they can't. Or in the musical. I'm sorry, in the musical, they don't do that, uh, where they're deteriorating in front of everybody. They're not going to do it on stage in front of an audience. (laughs) I want my money back. (laughs) That's how I felt during American Idiot. Uh, (laughs) The exorcism is stopped by none other than BJ himself. Because Because Lydia's been posed with this, like, you have to marry him to make this stop happening to Adam and Barbara. So Lydia agrees... To marry the old creepy man at the end of the song, um, Lydia has been like posed with this 
situation, this ultimatum, that if she doesn't marry Beetlejuice, the Maitlands would deteriorate. So she agrees to marry him, and he, he she agrees to marry the creepy old guy. And he stops the exorcism, and then he opens the door to the netherworld so the Maitlands would get sucked away for good. They'll never come back. But Lydia saves them by running through the door um, before they can get sucked away. But her dad, Charles, chases her behind her, and he ends up in the netherworld as well. Um, so Beetlejuice is a little pissy that his plan has been completely ruined by this little bratty girl. Um, so he decides that he wants to kill everyone, and this, and he, like, oh my god, and oh yeah, he wants to kill everyone instead, <laughs> and he sings the song, Good Old Fashioned Wedding. So Lydia and Charles are in the netherworld and are greeted by Miss Argentina, played by the same character, playing, uh, played by the same actress playing Delia. I'm gonna, and I'm actually gonna post on Instagram the quick change. Oh yeah, they posted. This it. is the most amazing quick change I've ever seen. I want to play this character so badly just for the quick change. It's okay. insane. It's insane. Um, and basically, Miss Argentina, Miss Argentina, along with the other netherworld residents. Uh, urges them to return to the living world in the song, What I Know Now. Uh, they then meet Juno, director of the Netherworld Customs and Processing, who discovers that Lydia and Charles are still living. A crazy chase ensues with dead football players, Juno, and a slew of other dead people trying to catch Lydia and Charles. Now, I, I think that one of the coolest parts about, about all of this is that maybe I'm... 10, 20 seconds before all of this, they're still in the house. They go from house to netherworld to now they're chasing them through, the, through, through uh, trying to look for Lydia and Charles. It's actually incredible because with the, the there's almost like a frame to the set. There's this top frame and there's different, I mean, of course, like between um, uh, like backstage left and right, there, there's these paths where it actually looks like they're in different parts of the netherworld, even though they're like inches away from each other as they're running because they're, they're trying to chase them. But what I think is so interesting about it is the platforms are on levels. So you can see, you can see Charles and Lydia running through the netherworld and, the, uh, and the, uh, all the other residents running after them. And they're this close to each other, but because of the fact that um, the residents are higher up on a level, it, it looks like they're about to catch them, but they're not. And, and I think it's really cool. Whoa, what? that's set's so done. neat. The so it's set? like a different force project or perspective. Perspective. They and they light up each of those frames one at a time, starting at the front, and then it goes pa, 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 of the netherworld. When my my boyfriend and I were watching it last night, we were like, oh, 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 oh. It just kept popping and like more parts of the nether never netherworld kept popping in. It was so cool. And like getting the, further and further away from well, your yeah, mind. Yeah, I'm doing it on purpose. I'm doing it She's, she's oh moving God. her head back as the frames in her But the chase is like a... Oh, so these football players, I love that they are... Yeah, the football players are... Yeah, the football players are... I don't think we survived that crash. Yeah, they don't get any lines, but they definitely are in the netherworld. It's a shout-out. It's a shout-out to the... Yeah. Wasn't it actually in the film they were shouting out to an actual plane crash that happened with high school football players on I think it was yeah, a, it because, was a crash I don't think it was high school but something like that um so the plane was carrying 37 members of the Marshall University Thundering <gasps> Herd football team <gasps> um and that's the one that crashed what year was that it 1956 was, oh 
1970. Oh, oh when, okay. and the movie came out in 88, so I guess... Right. When is it, comedy okay? When is comedy okay, I know. I, 11 point uh, <laughs> four years, I think. Okay, I guess I that works. They, so you, after about 11 and a half years, you yeah, can... Yeah, yeah, this, so this, right. this was the, this was the, the gauge. A lot of the book is written for comedy. Like, comedy comes in threes, right? We know that that rule. There is a certain thing that Beetlejuice does throughout the whole show where he points out one guy, makes fun of his weight, makes fun of him mm-hmm. for something else, like child bride thing, and then makes fun of him for something else. And James, last night, when we were watching it, he was like, uh, he really could have told this joke as the third one for the rule of three. And I was like, don't worry, I'm sure it'll come. And sure enough, there's like a third joke about the guy in the audience that he's pointing out. And we looked at each other, we're like... Too early, James. Well, too early. Yeah, don't come Premature. too early. I, I oh, read God. some. I read some comment during when he's trying to trick her into saying his name. It's mm. like, damn it! He should have just said that she needed oh. to say it four times, and then he would have already. And then because she because she like plays with them, and it's like if he if she just said it four times, uh, said that it was four times, then he could have come back to life, and the joke would have been on her. Ah. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> yeah. So Lydia and Charles become separated in this chase that's happening where Juno's chasing them going, you can't be here, which is awkward because she comes back later looking for them. Uh, And Lydia is desperately trying to search for her mother. That's the whole reason she went to the netherworld. She doesn't give a shit about anybody else. She just wants to talk to her mom and see if her mom's okay in the netherworld. So she's calling out for her, looking for her. And Charles is separated from her, but he finally finds his daughter and they reconcile in the song Home, where Charles in this song finally tells Lydia he doesn't say his dead wife's name, which is Emily, because it's too painful. And they decide that they both will remember her and the good times and feel the pain together. Mama, I could use some help here. Tired of talking to myself here. Back at home you don't exist So here I am in the abyss So is this the first time you actually hear her name in the whole musical? This is the first time you hear okay. that name. Yep. And when you said her name, you lead away from her. And I think the, the best part about this number, I, I saw this, this show with my friend through an NYU student discount ticket performance. Help me. Help me, I'm poor. And it was, it was, this song, me and my friend were bawling through because it, I think if, if you've ever had a loss in your life, honestly, it's, it's so relatable because Charles and Lydia are facing their grief in totally different ways. But it, you really feel, you understand both the perspectives in that moment. And it was such a beautiful moment in the show as the, like, as the 11 o'clock number. Oh, my God. It is. And like uh, I, the whole thing that makes any kind of theater or or movie or TV series interesting is the lack of communication. This is the song where they fix all that because they're finally communicating. (laughs) 
They resolve. They resolve. Yes. It's it's the fifth act of a Shakespeare comedy. Exactly. Yeah. People Five hours finally later. start talking exactly. to Where each it's other. like, if we only had a modicum of communication skills, none of the play would have happened. Could we stop soliloquizing? Well, oh my they God. would only <laughs> speak English. There's actually a part where Beetlejuice, and I don't remember where it is, Beetlejuice is talking oh, to the audience. Oh, I do remember. It's during um, Friday of Their Lives, I think. Yes. Beetlejuice is soliloquizing to the audience, and Adam comes up and interrupts him, and he's like, well, this is a soliloquy, so actually you're being rude. Yeah. So Yeah, we can hear everything you're saying. Uh. <laughs> well, you're being rude because this is a soliloquy. I don't think soliloquize is actually a verb. Well, it is too, now. But we started using it recently. I think it was Raven. It was Lizzie. Soliloquizing. She soliloquized. Which brings us into... Creepy old man. So creepy, Graham, no, the creepy, creepy old man, guy. take it away, right? Creepy so, old guy. Oh, creepy old, creepy guy. old guy. Shit. Because it's got to rhyme. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so then Charles and Lydia, they make it back from the netherworld to their house where, or not to the house, where they find Beetlejuice preparing to kill everyone, meaning Ortho, Delia, Adam, Barbara, on this reality game show style kill show ortho is on a wheel of death and as it spins it hits him in the face and he's pushed off stage as lydia and charles re-enter so lydia quickly comes up with this plan to trick beetlejuice by saying that she will marry him in the song creepy old guy where adam tries to help by saying he's in love with beetlejuice way back when They're trying to to distract Beetlejuice while they find a way to get him out the door. So whenever you open the door and try to leave the house, the the actual front door to the house, there's a sandworm Mm -hmm. that comes in and tries to eat you. So they're trying to distract Beetlejuice and get him close to the door so they can push him out and get rid of him. So Adam actually comes up at one point and he's like, Beetlejuice, you've been touching me, prodding me, grabbing my ass this whole show. And it worked. I'm in love with you. Oh my God. <laughs> Goes up and tries to kiss him. Beetlejuice is like, I don't believe any of this shit. And Lydia has to convince him, no, no, I'm really going to marry you now. Lydia goes to marry Beetlejuice. Yikes. She actually does it. Oh, she does actually. She okay, does sorry. actually marry so him. So Lydia, child wow. bride, does actually marry Beetlejuice to give him his green card. And they strip Beetlejuice out of his black and whites into the red suit. Lydia's wearing the red oh, yeah, dress. she's wearing the red dress. It's classic and so now he's all alive but you know people who are alive can die um and he begins to feel all the feelings in two minutes like he's like i'm so happy oh my god what if this happiness doesn't last oh god now i'm really sad i'm super anxious oh my god yeah Let's it just get him some better help he needs a therapist he needs some better help.com sponsors please we're <laughs> actors so, we so need as it. i said he is alive but not for oh. very long because he's immediately stabbed. Stab, stab, stab. Stab, stab, By stab. Lydia. And then he dies again. She didn't push him off the roof this time, though. She went. She just, like, bloody took matter. a pole and, like, stabbed She's it like, through that, him. This works. That's fine. And Lydia and the Maitlands try to send him back to the netherworld. But before they can, Juno appears, which is Beetlejuice's mother. 
He's who, been talking this whole time about his bitch ass demon mother. Yeah, I know. I was like, Wait, surprised. What? This wasn't on the album. Mother. I had I no idea this happened. Yep. <laughs> so we have to, you know, you have to throw something in the last ten minutes of the show. Yep. So Bill I guess, has a mom, and that mom is Juno, who is played by uh, Maxine, the same actor who plays Maxine, as we mentioned earlier, and. Um, so Juno is Beetlejuice's mother, who he's like, you shouldn't kiss your mom so much because mine was so ne- uh, neglectful and awful. Um, but Juno tries to take Lydia to the netherworld because once you go there, you can't return to the living world. So Beetlejuice, has he had a little change of dead heart? Well, because he just experienced all the humans oh, experience, he's, he's like, I don't want humans. that anymore. Like, Fuck this. Oh, I know how to feel now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I know how to feel now. So he actually stands up to Juno and it's like, no, I appreciate how life and how brief it can be. All two minutes of it. It's a coming of age story. A coming of, okay. Uh, it's a coming show story for sure. And Juno pretends to be moved by Beetlejuice's speech and throws him out of the house to be eaten by the giant sandworm. Well, I was just wondering, did we hear about his mom at yes. any other point in the show? Yes. Okay, so he has yes. been talking about we've, her. We've met Juno, but he's also been talking about her throughout and how she. But she's, you don't know it's Juno. You don't know no. it's Juno. Okay. She's, at one point, Beetlejuice says something along the lines of um, his mother would say certain things like, I wish you would leave like your father, oh, or I wish you were okay. never born. She's a super neglectful demon, and he calls her a demon, and he just keeps pointing out how she keeps leaving him. So he makes comparisons to Lydia leaving him like his mother, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah, we've okay. heard about his mother being neglectful right. throughout. So Juno, who's kind of, we've met her, you know, she's the woman who's running another world. So she's, she's quote unquote moved by Beetlejuice's speech. And so she's like, oh, come here. And then throws him out of the house so that he can be eaten by the giant sandworm. Yeah. She's yes. a super bitch. Uh, then the Maitlands, Charles and Delia, they don't really know what's going on, but I'm a part of oh, this. Oh, that's Delia's line, actually. She's really? like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm a part of this. And she like, oh, yeah. she's like standing up for Lydia. Yeah. And uh, basically they refuse to let you know take her. Uh, Beetlejuice comes crashing into the house, riding the giant sandworm, dressed kind of as a cowboy. And the sandworm eats Juno, leaving behind her arm. I think uh, what I remember from this moment is I think Lydia really was feeling all the love from everyone defending her. Charles, Delia, and the Maitlands. I think she kind of started to feel like, uh, as the show's now wrapping up, it's Oh, I just hit my keyboard. (laughs) (laughs) That was my Uh, ghost. Basically, um, She's starting to feel like she has a family, which is, I think, super important for her. Yeah, and then Beetlejuice is left to say goodbye, his final goodbyes to everybody in a a Wizard of Oz style (laughs) goodbye. goodbye. He's like, I'll miss you most of all kind of thing. He takes takes the arm and he goes, he takes his mother's arm and he goes to Adam first and he's like, says something sexy about how Adam is sexy, gives him the arm, walks over to... Grabs his ass with it. Grabs his ass with it or something. He just does something with the arm. He says goodbye to each person. What's the funniest thing was saying goodbye to Delia. I don't know what the deal is, what the Delia is. What the Delia but is? Oh. What's the deal he's here? In this show that I saw, he is stage right, far stage right, Delia's stage left, and he just kind of says, Delia, looks over to her. They make eye contact, and before, like in the scene right before, he's like, I know she's a freak. She's done shit. All the rest <laughs> of y'all are white as shit. She's done stuff. So he looks at her, Delia, and she looks back like, 
<laughs> and then the audience just goes crazy as he walks slowly over and he's like, we haven't interacted much. And then walks off to the next person to say goodbye. So it, he says his goodbyes. The Dietzes agree to let the Maitlands live as spirits in their house after uh, Beetlejuice has gone into the netherworld. Charles is a good dad now. And Lydia accepts Delia into her father's life and ultimately into her own life. And Lydia decides that although her mother is gone, there is still so much left to enjoy in life. And they all party out to the song Jump in the Line, which ends the show with a mashup of Jump in the Line and Dead Mom, which is a very, very cool mashup. the way you said jump in the line sounded like Deo. Jump in the line. Park your body on time. Okay. Okay. I believe you. That's how they sing it. Yeah. It's like a Calypso song. Yeah, it's a Calypso song. I love that it it made so many goth kids just start dancing to that song like at school. Calypso is the new goth music. I I appreciate appreciate this so much. And that's (laughs) Beetlejuice the musical. Oh my god. That's it. So much better than Orange Juice. It's I'm not even mad that they split from the original source material because oh, it's no. so funny. Every I really moment. want to see it now. Oh god, watch it. So oh good. So watch good. it when it hits its new theater. Watch it when it yeah. hits its new theater and June starts the national tour so, in the fall of 2021. And it's rumored that there might be an HBO uh, <gasps> filming of it, that it might be streamed. Like I Hamilton wouldn't be surprised. Was, Most but, Broadway is going but, towards what Diana's doing right now. Well, but Hamilton, who the hell but, knows? Yeah. Because they said they were going to make a sequel for years, and we still, it's still like in production. So. I mean, eh, you never Spring know. Awakening, Spring Awakening was supposed to do that. Doing the but you know Drowsy what? Chaperone. In coronavirus times, I don't think that that's not impossible. Zachary, do you have anything you would like to plug? Um, oh, I think I'm going to put on the spot. I don't know. Don't you uh, have a podcast There's or like a podcast with like some, some bitch named Tori. I mean, yeah. I mean, be prepared for a new podcast coming out called Entertainment Now with mm. the incredible Tori Coatsen, where we'll be talking about the what entertainment's going to look like in the future and and what it looks like now each and every day it'll be it's updating so that's really what we're talking about um i guess i could plug my instagram at zachary hausman and plug wines and dolls of course but you're already watching it listening we're listening hausman how do you spell hausman h-a-u-s-m-a-n i'm sorry he's, he's to the german house sorry to it's a german, german house, house. <laughs> but yeah it's oh you should call bind from six that's on <gasps> the u.s I am so my name is Graham Bryant you can find my Instagram which is literally Instagram uh, 42 uh, Graham, Graham. it is it is at I N S T A G R A H A M underscore 42 um, I'm going to be in a couple of readings with this uh, company company called Wild Imaginings. They're having their new works festival. So if you want to see some of those shows, I have a couple of roles with them. 
And I also have, I'm in this anthology that is getting published sometime in the next few months, hopefully. At some point uh, is my favorite due date. <laughs> yeah, pu- publishing, it keeps getting pushed up, but it's called At the Intersection of Disability and Drama. Uh, it is uh, compiled, it is edited by John Michael Seffel, and it is up on Amazon, and you can just go there and give it a pre-order if you want. Pre-order that. Love that. Send us a link when you get a chance, Greg. Will do. Love Will it. Do. Oh, my gosh, our interns are so talented. Chelsea is not so talented at holding her uh, her bladder, so she <laughs> went to the bathroom. with. I turned on, y'all, I have this motion, this motion detector ghost. And when she came over, I turned it on. And so when you get and sit on the <laughs> toilet, it goes, it's about to get really spooky. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and I've scared her twice with it today. <laughs> I love that. So well, I want to see her get scared. I'm, I, I wonder. I, honestly, it's a great, it's a good theme though with the Beetlejuice. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and wrap this sucker let's wrap up. This bitch up. Oh my gosh! You know who doesn't scare us, Chelsea? Our patrons. Our patrons. Emily. Yes, we would like to thank our patrons: Brandon, Sydney, Allison, Noah, Victoria, Mama Lang, Mama Hardy, Mama Keen, and Andy. 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 Y'all are great. Thank we you. Love you. Thank you. If you would like to join our patrons for our exclusive Patreon only content, you can join them at www.patreon.com slash wines and dolls, where all of our content that does go up is edited by our intern Graham. Hello. Love it. So we don't have to do it. We do part of it, but he finishes it, which is what I appreciate. <laughs> and there will be a new content going up. Um, we have a uh, how to wine taste videos going up. When does that go up, Emily? That will probably actually already be up by the time this episode comes out. You said that two episodes ago. No, I didn't. I you said did. it would come out this month. You said maybe We're it will come out We're still in October. Episode. Nope. Mom, Dad, don't fight. <laughs> I did not say... Chelsea... Wait, wait, watch this. Occupy your mouth. Don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea, put the wine in your mouth and occupy it. Thank you. So... <laughs> That's my favorite thing to tell my uh, my my singles tours that I give on the ghost tours. Put the booze in your mouth when and I ha- occupy no, your no, mouth. No, 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 no. I tell them to occupy their mouth with each other. I don't class. I don't. I don't specify. They just need to occupy their mouth, so they'll stop talking when I'm trying to talk. Anyways, so <laughs> so that so we have our new how to how to wine taste videos going up for patrons only, and you can get that content starting at five dollars a month. You can join them at Patreon.com/slash/wines-and-dolls. If you'd like to support us in other ways, you can find our swag at www.zazzle.com slash wines underscore and underscore dolls underscore swag, where you might might find some cover your wine hole masks. We have our COVID-19 collection ready for you to browse and peruse. Yes, we do. But the best way you can actually support us is by pressing subscribe anywhere you're listening to this podcast. And if you are on, if you are on, Apple Podcasts, please scroll down to the bottom and leave us a five-star review, as well as a review, a written review, please, so that we can continue doing our podcast and we can be discovered in some way, shape, or form. Dear God, please. I appreciate that. Thanks. We also like to read them. If you would like to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or the TikTok, you can find us at Wines and Dolls. And you can hear my dog, who is shaking in the background, at olivelou.hue on Instagram. And with that, 
I'm Chelsea. I'm Emily. I'm Graham. And I'm Zach. And, and this, this has been Wise. Wise. That was so hard. It's a mess. We're just a little bit messed. Cover your wine holes.